Welcome to this podcast from Harvest Community Church of Huntersville, North Carolina, where our vision is to make disciples who make disciples. I'm your host, Liz Stefanini. When I was about 10 years old, my dad bought an old CJ5. And it looked similar to the one that's on the screen. Dad's was a little bit of a darker red, a little closer to a crimson color. Had these big old mud tires. It didn't have a top. It didn't have power steering. And when I got my license, it was one of my favorite things to drive when dad would actually let me drive it. But when he bought it, I don't remember if it needed to have this done or if he just decided to do it. Dad began to rebuild the engine in this Jeep. And he spent a lot of Saturdays working on this Jeep and rebuilding the engine and breaking it down and and putting it back together. And every Saturday that he would go out to work on this Jeep, I remember he'd ask me if I wanted to help him. And he'd say things to me like, son... You're going to need to know how to do this when you get older. Son, this is what I'm doing on the Jeep today. It would be good for you to learn how to do this. But not surprisingly, as a young teenager, the last thing that I wanted to do on a Saturday morning was get up and work. I would rather sleep in. I would rather play video games. I'd rather watch TV. I'd probably rather do anything other than get up and help him work on the Jeep. And because of that, I very rarely helped my dad. In fact, I feel confident in saying the only times I helped him were the Saturdays when he said, son, I have to have an extra pair of hands. You're going to help me today. I would go out. I would help him on those days. I'm pretty sure my attitude was not the best because I didn't care about learning. I didn't care about what we were doing. I just wanted to get done so I could go do my own thing. Well, fast forward to my mid-twenties, and I bought a Jeep, and I had my Jeep for a couple of years, and the engine started knocking, and I realized the engine in my Jeep needs to be rebuilt, and I had the thought, it'd be cool if I rebuilt it myself, but I had a problem. I had no clue how to rebuild an engine or how to work on cars. So I called my dad and I said, dad, you remember when I was a kid and you wanted to teach me how to rebuild an engine and work on the Jeep and I didn't really care about it and I didn't want to learn. Well, now I'm ready. And being the gracious father that he is, he spent a lot more Saturdays teaching me how to do what I could have learned to do as a kid if I would have listened to him. If you remember back to week three of the 40 days of prayer, we were in John 17. And our memory verse that week was John 17, 20 and 21a, which says, My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. Now, we know, because if you remember from this week, we studied that Jesus is praying here in John 17 for us to be united. 
And we know that he wants us to be united in our faith in him. He wants us to be united in his mission to take the gospel to the nations. But the question that I want us to look at today is how do we do that? How do we live united in Christ? At Harvest, our church is built on six pillars. One of those pillars is community. Today, we are going to look at Acts chapter 2 to see what community should look like. We're going to look at Acts chapter 2 to answer the question of how do we live united. And as we do, what we are going to see is living in Christian community is how we are united in Christ. Living in Christian community is how we are united in Christ. Being united means living in Christian community. It means living life with each other. We are united in Christ as we live in community with other believers. So let's pick it up today starting in Acts chapter 2 starting in verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now, before we dive in here, let's set the scene so we know what's going on in Acts chapter 2. After his resurrection in Acts chapter 1, Jesus spent 40 days teaching the disciples before he ascended back to the Father. And he promised, before he ascended, he promised to send his spirit, to send a helper, to help his followers know how to follow him, to strengthen us to follow him. And the believers at that time had to wait about a week for the spirit to come. And Acts chapter 2 opens on the day of Pentecost as the Holy Spirit descends. And after the Spirit descends, Peter stands up and he preaches. And about 3,000 put their, 3,000 people put their faith in Jesus. We see this happen in Acts 2 starting in verse 37. Now when they heard this, when the people heard Peter's message, they were cut to the heart. And said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone with whom the Lord our God calls to him. And with many words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Now up to this point in Acts chapter 2, 
up to verse 41, Luke has been describing for us the events of a single day. He has been describing the events of the day of Pentecost. But in verse 42, he shifts. And instead of describing the events of a single day, he begins describing the life of the church in Jerusalem. And as he describes the life of the church in Jerusalem, he shows us what the believers were devoted to. And he shows us how they lived day by day. Now, when we think of the word devoted, we probably think of being loyal to something or someone or loving something or someone. As I thought about being devoted this week, two things came to my mind. The first was Kayla, because I love my wife. I am loyal to my wife. I tell her that I love her, but I also like to do things that show her that I love her. Like last night, we were headed home, and we were going past Krispy Kreme. And the hot now light was on. And I don't know about you guys, but the hot now light at Krispy Kreme just speaks to my soul. And so I pulled in to get a donut. And I asked Kayla as I was getting out of the truck, I said, do you want a donut? And she said, no, I don't need a donut. I don't need that sugar. And in my mind, I'm thinking, nobody comes to Krispy Kreme because they need something. Nobody needs a donut. Nobody needs sugar. But I went inside and I knew that when I got back out to the Jeep with that box full of warm, delicious smelling goodness, that Kayla would want a donut. And I mean... I can't go to Krispy Kreme and just get a donut anyways. Might as well get a dozen while I'm there. So I made sure to get enough hot now so that she could have one. And then I got two of her favorites so she could enjoy those later on this week. The second thing that came to my mind when I thought of being devoted is the Atlanta Braves. I love the Atlanta Braves. Not the way that I love Kayla, but I love the Braves And I'm loyal to watch them, to pull for them. I go to their games when I can. I wear their gear. If you were to look in our closet, you'd see multiple Braves hats. You'd see multiple Braves jerseys. Normally, every year on the opening day of baseball, I take at least part, if not all, of the day off to make sure I'm at home to watch the first game of the season. If it were up to me, opening day would be a national holiday and nothing would be open. And we would all stay home and watch baseball on opening day. Unfortunately, it's not up to me yet. But in Acts chapter 2, when Luke talks about being devoted, the verb that he uses here implies a steadfast and single-minded faithfulness to a certain course of action. When he says that the believers are devoted, he means that they have a steadfast and single-minded faithfulness to a certain course of action. And he shows us four things that the believers were devoted to. They were devoted to the word, to one another, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. These new believers in Acts chapter 2 had a steadfast and single-minded faithfulness to the word, to one another, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. The first thing that Luke tells us they were devoted to was the word. 
And here on the screen, you see a picture of the temple. The believers would meet regularly here in the temple to be taught from the apostles. And they met in an area that was called Solomon's Colonnade. If you look up here, this is the inner temple. And then right here, you see Solomon's porch. This is also called Solomon's Colonnade. It was on the eastern side of the temple, on the outside. And this is where they met to listen to the apostles' teaching. Verse 46 tells us that they taught day by day, or your translation may say that they met every day in the temple to be taught God's word. You see, the apostles had been instructed by Jesus, and now they were passing on Jesus' teaching to these new believers. No doubt this teaching included looking a lot at the Old Testament and looking at the Old Testament prophecies that pointed to the coming of Christ, that pointed to Jesus being the Messiah, that showed the people of Israel why they needed the Messiah. This teaching would have also included Jesus' words. They taught as we do today about Jesus' life, his death and his resurrection, and they probably had more first-hand accounts of what the apostles had seen than what we have today in our New Testament. But what we see is, even though they were filled with the Spirit, they did not abandon the study and the teaching of the Word. The Spirit and the Word went together. As they preached, they also did signs and wonders. And Luke tells us that these signs and wonders caused all to come upon the people. That can also be translated, it caused reverent fear to come upon the people. All those in Jerusalem that were not a part of this community recognized that God was at work. That God was doing a work in this community of believers. And as the apostles taught, the signs and the wonders caused the people to have a reverent fear towards God. These signs and wonders also confirmed for the people that what the apostles were teaching was true. We have to realize that at this time, the new believers couldn't open up their Bibles to Acts chapter 2 and read about what was happening. They were living it. This was a unique time in church history. There are no more apostles today like there were apostles in the New Testament. I've met people that will introduce themselves as an apostle, that will say they hold the office of an apostle. There are no more apostles today like there were in the New Testament. The signs and wonders confirmed for the people that what the apostles were teaching was true. We have a benefit today, 2,000 years later, that they did not have. We have the complete inspired word of God. Many of us are holding it right now in our hands this morning. And we can look back and we can see the apostles teaching and we can see the signs and the wonders. And we can read and recognize that the signs and the wonders confirm that what they were teaching was true. The spirit goes with the word, but we need to make sure we recognize that this was a unique time In church history. Starting back in verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. To the break... Excuse me. And all came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Sadly today, many people 
think if they have the Spirit, they don't need the Word. Many churches today focus on stirring up emotions more than studying the Word and faithfully teaching the Word. But the truth is that the Spirit of God draws us to the Word of God. If the Spirit of God is in you, you should be being drawn to the study of the Word, drawn to the Scripture. As pastors, the Spirit of God draws us to faithfully teach the Word of God. We don't stand up here on Sunday mornings and teach our opinions. We don't stand up here and think, let me teach what's going to make the people feel good. The Word of God convicts and it confronts us and it draws us back into right relationship with the Father. As pastors, we are faithful to teach the Word. And as a church, the Spirit of God draws us to obey and submit to the Word of God when it's faithfully taught. You see, the early church in Acts chapter 2 demonstrates for us that a healthy church consumes the Word of God. A healthy church consumes sound doctrine. A healthy church feasts on the Word of God, which tells the message of the Savior. And if you're here this morning, or if you're watching from home, And you don't know the message of the Savior that the Word of God teaches. This is it. God sent His only Son, Jesus. He was born of a virgin. He lived a perfect, sinless life. And He died on the cross for our sins. He died in our place to pay the price for our sins. Jesus willingly submitted to the Father and gave up His life in our place. So that we can have forgiveness. And on the third day, He rose from the grave. He conquered death. He conquered the grave so that He can offer to each and every one of us eternal life. So that he can give to everyone who follows after him forgiveness and salvation and eternal life. And this eternal life that he offers cannot be earned. You can never be good enough to earn what Jesus offers you today. There is not enough money in this world to buy the salvation and the forgiveness of sins that Jesus freely offers to us. The good news is it's a free gift. And to receive this salvation, to receive this forgiveness, to receive adoption into the family of God, all that you have to do is put your faith in Him. Surrender to Him and follow after Him like the believers did on the day of Pentecost. And you will be saved. And if you've never put your faith in Him, that's a decision that you can make right now in this moment. And you will have salvation. We see that the believers were devoted to the word. But they were also devoted to one another. Luke tells us that all the believers were together. And they had all things in common. Here in verses 44 and 45. And the Greek word that he uses for fellowship here is koinonia. 
Its basic meaning is association, communion, fellowship, or close relationship. Another way to say that the believers were devoted to one another is that they lived out the one another passages of the New Testament amongst one another. That's our desire for our community groups. We want our community groups at Harvest to live out the one another passages that we find in the New Testament. And there are certainly too many for us to look at this morning, but I want to highlight three of them for us. The first one is John thirteen thirty four. Jesus is speaking here in John 13, and he says, A new commandment I give to you. That you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. So Jesus tells his followers in John 13 that they should love one another in the same way that he has loved them. We should love one another in the same way that Jesus loves us. And what Luke shows us is that the early church follows this command by willingly selling their possessions to meet the needs of others in their community. Luke is not telling us here that we can't have possessions. He's not saying it's wrong to own things. He's not saying it's wrong to have things. What he's showing us is that the way the early church loved like Jesus... The way they sacrificially loved other brothers and sisters in their community is that they valued the believers more than they valued their possessions. And so when there was a need, they were willing to sell their possessions, take those proceeds, take the money that came from the sales, and use them to meet the needs in their community. Selling their possessions is how they had all things in common. Back in verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. There's two other one another passages that I want to to look at this morning. First Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore encourage one another and build one another up just as you were doing. And Galatians 6.2 says, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Over the past couple years, Kayla and I have been walking through a season of infertility. We have been trying to get pregnant, praying that God would bless us with children. But that has not happened yet. And we are both so thankful that God brought us to harvest before he really took us through the difficult times of this season that we've been on in the last couple of years. Back right before Christmas, we found out we were pregnant. As you can imagine, that made Christmas weekend that much more joyous for us. Our family was around. 
We were excited about what God was doing. We were looking forward to the future. And then about two days after Christmas, we found out that we miscarried. And that, that was the hardest week of my life to this point. Some of you probably know, sadly, what we felt during that week. But I am so thankful that God brought us to harvest before he allowed us to go through that. Because church, you have lived out these two verses in our life. Especially over the last few months. I could not even begin to try to count the number of text messages, phone calls, encouraging words from people that have come to us and told us we're praying for you. You are a part of our family's regular prayer time. We pray for you guys five out of seven, out of the seven days of the week. I, I, I can't even, couldn't even guess at how many of you have come up and done that or how many of you have prayed for us. The day we found out that we miscarried, two guys text me just because they knew we were finding out that, finding out that day. We didn't reach out to anybody just because they're in our life. They're a part of our community. They reached out. Ladies have been reaching out to Kayla consistently. And so from Kayla and I both, thank you for encouraging us. Thank you for helping us bear this burden that felt impossible to bear. I don't know what your difficult burden is this morning. Maybe you are in a similar season to Kayla and I. Maybe your burden is marriage related. Maybe it's loneliness. Maybe it's addiction. Maybe it's something else. But here's what I do know. And I give God the glory for this. That if you will plug into community here at Harvest and you will do life with other believers, you too will be encouraged. Your burden will be bared by other believers who will walk through life with you. And I don't say that to bring glory upon ourselves because it is all to the glory of God. It is all the work of His Spirit and the way that He is building His church here at Harvest. And so church, I also want to say to you, continue encouraging one another just as you are doing. Continue bearing one another's burdens and fulfilling the law of Christ just as you are doing. Diedrich Bonhoeffer said, it is grace, nothing but grace that we are allowed to live in community with Christian brothers and sisters. It is nothing but grace that we are allowed to live in community with Christian brothers and sisters. As much as I can encourage you and plead with you, please do not think that you can show up to church once a week and in an hour get everything you need for the Christian life. Because you can't. We are not designed to live this life alone. God has designed us to be in community. If you are not... Plug into Christian community so that others can walk through life with you. The third thing that Luke says that the believers were devoted to was the breaking of bread. 
And there's debate over whether Luke is just talking about a regular meal here or whether he's talking about the Lord's Supper. Given the, given the context of what, what verse 46 and ver, verse 47 say, I think that Luke is talking about just sharing a meal here. However, I also believe that these meals were filled with, with fellowship, with worship, and with prayer. And I think it was common for the Lord's Supper to be observed at these meals. If the temple was the place of formal, formal teaching where the apostles shared the gospel with non-believers, then the home was a place for gathering in small groups, was a place of fellowship and a place of worship. Tony Meredith says, The apostles preached to the ear about Jesus and the table preached to the eye about Christ. And if you doubt how important it is for us to gather around the table and just enjoy a meal together, I encourage you, go to lunch with someone today and enjoy that time with them. Or go home today and read the Gospel of Luke and see how often Jesus is around the table with other people in that Gospel. Going back to verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread. And down in verse 46. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. Lastly, but certainly not leastly, The believers were devoted to prayer. A healthy church is a praying church. A healthy church is a praying church. There is no such thing as a perfect church. If you ever find one, don't go because it won't be perfect anymore once you get there. But there are healthy churches. And healthy churches are praying churches. That's why we desire to be a house of prayer, because a healthy church is a praying church. And when we look at the early church, they didn't have anywhere near the resources that we have today. When they gathered in the temple, they didn't have the lights, they didn't have the band, they didn't have the big old screen with the words for everybody to know the words to the song as they worshipped. They didn't have the budget that we have. And yet through them... God changed the world. How did he do that? The early church was completely dependent upon the Lord in prayer. Corporately and individually, without ceasing, they prayed. If you were to look through the book of Acts, you would see the believers pray in the temple. You would see them pray in homes. You would see them pray as they they walked along the road. When they encountered the sick and the afflicted, they prayed. Before preaching, they prayed. While hearing sermons, they prayed. When they were persecuted, they prayed. They prayed in planned times of intercession over particular situations, such as when the apostles were in prison. The church came together and prayed. At meals, they prayed. As they praised God, they prayed. 
As they thanked God for the forgiveness of sins, they prayed. And as they asked for their daily needs, they prayed. A healthy church is a praying church. Let's be a healthy church, Harvest. If I were to rank the four things that the early church was devoted to in order, this is how I would rank it. Number one, the word. Number one, one another. Number one, the breaking of bread. And number one, prayer. All of these are equally important. Church, we should be devoted to the word. We should be devoted to one another. We should be devoted to the breaking of bread. And we should be devoted to prayer. And we see at the end of verse 47 what God did through the early church as they were devoted to these four things. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. The Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved. Why is the Lord not adding day by day those who are being saved to the church today? It's certainly not because the Spirit of God has changed. It's certainly not because the power of God is any weaker. Perhaps... It's because the church needs to remember that we need to be devoted to these four things. So how do we apply this to our lives today? Here's two ways to apply this message. The first is, if you aren't already, get plugged into community. As you leave today, if you go out either of these double doors in the back of the room, on your left over here is going to be the connect wall. And there's information for every single one of our community groups, every one of our men's groups, every one of our women's groups, and a couple of our ministries on that wall. If you've never stopped there, I encourage you to stop there today. Find a group to plug into, whether it's a community group, whether it's a men's Bible study or a women's Bible study, Moms in Prayer, ESL. Find somewhere to plug into Christian community. And then pray for harvest to be devoted to the word, devoted to one another, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. I want to close this morning with a quote from Robert Stein talking about Acts 2, 42 through 47. He says, Luke's summaries present an ideal for the Christian community which it must always strive for. Constantly return to and discover anew if it is to have that unity of spirit and purpose of essential for an effective witness. Luke presents an ideal for the Christian community which it must always strive for. Constantly return to and discover anew if it is to have that unity of spirit and purpose essential for an effective witness. Every week, we want to give you an opportunity to respond in prayer to the message that you have heard. 
The last six weeks over the 40 days, we've gotten together in prayer circles and we've prayed for someone in that circle. Today, we're going to get in prayer circles, but we're going to do it a little differently. We're going to pray for our church to be united in community. So I want to go ahead and ask if you are a group leader or a ministry leader, if you would just stand up where you are right now, all of our community group leaders, our ministry leaders, go ahead and stand up where you are right now. And then if you guys will just spread out throughout the worship center. Rather than praying for someone in our circle, what we want to do is gather around our leaders, and here are four ways that we want to pray today. We want to pray for our pastors, our elders, and teachers to faithfully teach the Word. Pray for God to continue making us a house of prayer, for harvesters to plug into Christian community, and for us to be devoted to the same four things that the early church was devoted to. Thanks again for joining us today from Harvest Community Church. This podcast is also available on our website, harvestcharlotte.com. Please go there if you want to send a question or comment, learn more about our ministries, or find out how you can donate to support the podcast.